Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We are going through the book of Philippians, and what we want to be encouraged by is just that. We want to be encouraged to joyfully grow in Jesus, church, does it really get much better than that? And you know what's so comforting to me? Is the fact that we never stop growing. We never stop learning. We can grow together. We can learn together. We can encourage growth in one another. We can encourage learning in one another as we learn from each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your word this morning, the opportunity to sing songs glorifying and praising your name. I pray as we turn to your word, Lord, that we allow your spirit to convict us in such a way that we are spurred on in growth in you, because you have made all of this possible. It is Jesus in his name that we pray. Amen. We have a vocabulary word for today. Our vocab word of the day is, anybody want to take a guess after looking at what you're looking at on the screen? Anybody want to throw something out at me? What do you think our vocab word of the day is? Devastation, that's a good one. I like it. I might look at this and say, demolished. How about the vocab word of the day being calamity? Calamity. So, how will we define the word calamity? See, the Webster's definition of the word calamity is this. It's a great misfortune and or a disaster. Does anyone know what we're actually looking at right here? Specifically speaking, what calamity is this that's on the screen? None other than Typhoon Ursula that hit the Philippines on Christmas morning this Year Actually, last year, 2019, the end of 2019. This is what our missionaries, the Russells, are currently experiencing. When we think of words like disaster or words like misfortune, we categorize the situation as being all bad, don't we? We look at a photo like this and we say, man, it's all bad. Now, I'm not quite sure, but I'm... Almost positive with the Philippines being in the southern hemisphere, Pastor Jared did bring up, they have been without power for 26 days in a tropical region, mind you, but that would be like us being without power for 26 days in the middle of August or September here in southwest Florida. Hot, hot, hot. We would like to say it's all bad, wouldn't we? So what is it? Is it really all bad? Do you look at this 
calamity and say, man, it's all bad. But that's kind of an absolute, isn't it? By saying all. Allow me to read you an email from the Russells. Kristen sent me this email as an update when I had first emailed her and told her what Villa's Grace wanted to do for the Ati people who they are missionaries to. Now, we are not the only church that have been supporting the Russells, and we're not the only church that is drumming up support for this very calamity that we see before us, but this is what Kristen wrote. She says, We too believe this tragedy has unimaginable possibilities for the gospel. We will literally, and I stress this sentence right here, she says, we will literally touch every household as a result of this storm. We would not have ever dreamed to take such a massive project on, but God in His good grace and wisdom has a plan. She goes on to say, pray that the gospel will be loud and clear and that hearts would be moved toward Jesus. Church, do you know what we say as Christians then? Do you know what she's really saying in that short paragraph that I wrote you? Basically, to sum it up, she's saying, when it's all bad, it's really all good. Do you know what Christian famously adopted that very attitude? The Apostle Paul. I heard somebody yell that out. The Apostle Paul did. And do you know why he did? Well, it's the reason why we titled our sermon this morning this. For His Glory. For His Glory. Glory. We're going to be in the book of Philippians, as mentioned earlier, chapter 1. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 26. Philippians chapter 1, 19 through 26. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you. If not, don't worry. All the verses will be on the screen for you this morning. Last week, we need to remember that we learn that motives for sharing the gospel may vary, but the result of salvation remains the same. See, we were encouraged to know that God can use anyone, anytime, anywhere to proclaim the name of Jesus. Today, my hope is that we're encouraged by the Apostle Paul's attitude. Our hope should be that we encourage one another to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus no matter the calamity. So with that being said, let's get into this text this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 
Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that you, or so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Amen. When we look at these eight verses this morning, we're going to throw them into this one simple sentence that defines all eight, and that sentence is this, our main idea for today. Very simple. Adversity is an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus. Adversity is an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus. It's the reason why we're saying when it's all bad, it's really all good. Do you know what the world would say about Paul? Because let's remember where he is currently as he's writing this letter. The world would say that Paul has his head in the clouds. See, the idiom, having your head in the clouds, really has two meanings when people use this. It could mean to be out of touch with the everyday world, or it could mean to be living in a fantasy world. So let me ask you this. Do the Russells have their heads in the clouds? Church, as Christians, we cannot look at a calamity in the same manner as the world. Do you know why? Because... Like we said, when it's all bad, it's really all good. See, Paul is looking beyond his current circumstance. He's looking out into the future. Why? Because he's optimistic of the end result. And we see precisely that in verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20 tell us, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He's looking out into the future, so we can't forget where he currently is. He's writing this letter from prison. But take a look at the final word in verse 19. What does it say? It says deliverance. This is the same as saying I've been delivered from my consequence of sin. It's like saying I've been delivered from death. It's the same as saying I've been saved. It's safe to say that Paul is feeling confident. What two things are credited to Paul's confidence then? The first would be prayer. Because what does he say? He says, for I know that through your prayers, the prayers of the Philippians have given Paul confidence. They've given him confidence in his salvation. Church, do others' prayers give you confidence in your salvation? When someone says, I'm praying for you, are you reminded of your salvation? Or do you think to yourself, you're praying for me? I should be praying for you. 
I remember being a newly discipled Christian. The man who taught me how to read my Bible, memorize Scripture, taught me the different types of prayer that you can pray. When I had this big decision to make, I remember he called me on the phone and let me know that I'll be praying for you. And I was taken back thinking, you're going to be praying for me? I already made my decision. And I thought this through. I got this thing whipped. I was offended. But I was new. I was young in my faith. I didn't realize what he was truly doing. Why he was praying for me. By saying, I'll be praying for you. See, now I get it, or I'm beginning to learn how to get it, shall I say. I I should have been reminded of my salvation. We should all be reminded of our salvation when others say that they're praying for us. And that's precisely why Paul ends verse 19 by saying, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's referencing his own eventual salvation even though he knows he's saved now but he's waiting for that day to be with jesus now the second thing paul knew the second thing that gave him confidence was he knew who his ultimate helper was the holy spirit aka as it says here in the text this morning the spirit of jesus christ prayer and the holy spirit are all paul needed to be confident So for us, prayer and the Holy Spirit is all that we need to be confident as well, which is exactly why we can say when it's all bad, it's really all good. In verse 20, Paul says this, he says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. Do you know why Paul is confident yet again as he rolls into verse 20 from 19, he's confident simply because of God's word. In the book of Isaiah, God's word says this, and Paul knew this. He knows that God says, those who wait on me will not be put to shame. Church, we should never be ashamed of the good news of salvation, a.k.a. the gospel. When the world attempts to embarrass your faith, remember the confidence you have in your deliverance. We've been delivered, therefore we can do as it says right here in verse 20 when he says, with full courage now and as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, whether we live, whether we die, we do both to the glory of Jesus. Why? Because only He can deliver us just to give us another. See, He delivers us from one to give us another. Delivers us from death to give us life. And this brings us to our first point this morning. We've been delivered from death in order to glorify Jesus in life. We've been delivered from death in order to glorify Jesus in life. And again, our main idea this morning is this. Adversity is an opportunity to bring glory 
to Jesus. Adversity is an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus. The summit, some of you maybe have been to a summit, but the summit is the peak. To reach your summit, that's what the world would say. To reach your summit is to achieve the pinnacle of success. It's to set a life goal and work hard to achieve it. Some of you have already achieved the rigors of going through what you go through to reach your summit. Some of us here are currently in hot pursuit of reaching our own personal summit, that life goal. And others of us are maybe dreaming of what your summit may one day be. Regardless, anyone motivated to reach your own summit, to reach your pinnacle of success, would be hard-pressed to give up that pursuit. Let's face it. If you're motivated to set a life goal and then achieve that life goal, you would be hard-pressed to give up that pursuit. Church, what we see today in these eight verses, what we see here isn't quite true of the Apostle Paul. He was willing to give it all up. And we see this in our final verses this morning, verses 21 through 26. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Playing off of our first point, Paul further solidifies the Christian's mentality. Basically, verse 21 is quite possibly the most memorable verse in all of Philippians. To live as Christ, to die is gain. See, when we die, this life's calamities are over. The destruction, the disaster is done. All the adversity in our lives are finished. That's why Paul is saying to live as Christ, to die is gain. Therefore, death is to the benefit of the believer. However, Paul doesn't give a rip about reaching his own summit. He doesn't give a rip about the goals that he set in his life that he wanted to achieve. Verses 22 through 24 reveals Paul's advantages for living. In verses 22 through 24, Paul also reveals his advantages for dying. He lays out both options. If Paul continues to live, he says, that means fruitful labor for me. What exactly does he mean by this? What does Paul mean by fruitful labor? See, what he's getting at is this. He's saying that 
I cannot continue to spread the good news of salvation if I'm dead. But if I'm still living here on earth, my fruitful labor is my opportunity to share the good news with others. And at this point, you should be asking yourself, I know that I am. I'm asking myself, how fruitful is the labor in my life? How fruitful is the labor in your life? Because last time I checked, and everybody that I'm looking at right now, you are alive, right? Those of you that are sleeping, do we need to take a pulse? How fruitful is the labor in your life? When was the last time I shared my faith in Jesus? Can you ask yourself that question mentally? Don't answer it out loud and embarrass yourself. When was the last time you shared your faith in Jesus? See, in verse 23, Paul says that his desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Amen? But he recognized that his remaining in the flesh is far more beneficial at this time for others. Not for Paul, but for others. Church, Those of you that needed to take that pulse, are you still in the flesh? Are you still in the flesh? Again, how fruitful is the labor in your life? Do you know what happens when you die? There's no more opportunities to share Christ. They're done. So are you taking full advantage of remaining in the flesh now? Or are you too busy trying to reach your own summit? Those goals you set. The pinnacle of success that you want to achieve while you're here on earth. Is that a distraction from true, fruitful labor? For those of you who care more about fruitful labor rather than reaching your summit, have you considered some of the ways that you can accomplish this? As Mike comes up, I want to go through a few ways. In fact, I want to cover three ways in which we can start to see fruitful labor in our lives. Three simple ways. The first is so simple. Recognize the mission field that God has planted you in, period. Just open your eyes and observe where you've been planted. Keep your ears open and your eyes peeled. Tell a coworker you're praying for them. Then go and do it. Don't just say it. And if you think you may forget one trick, I mean, I shouldn't say it's a trick, but it's kind of a trick. You can say, hey, As you come to mind, I will pray for you. That way you're not lying. When engaging on social media, ask yourself before you post what you post, is this bringing honor and glory to Jesus? Be intentional with a waiter. Be intentional with a cashier, whoever you come in contact with. It's so simple. If a waiter comes to your table, ask them what their name is and say, hey, is there anything that could be praying for you for? These are simple ways that we can start engaging with people and and do the same no matter who you are with. Everybody that you come in contact with is an opportunity. The second thing that we can do is actually do exactly what Pastor Jared's sermon from two weeks ago, the title from his sermon, 
gospel-focused, be that. Be gospel-focused. Look at everything through the lens of the gospel at all times. View everything from that perspective. Watch and listen. I, I love this one. We don't think we can do this because we're so good as Christians at separating church from everyday life to family to work. But put it all in the same compartment. Don't separate them. Watch the news. Know what's going on in the world. But look at what's going on through the perspective that Jesus has saved you. He is coming back. Look at everything through the perspective of the gospel. Understand historical events through the perspective of the gospel. George Washington chopped down that cherry tree. Through the perspective of the gospel, what do we know? To lie is a sin. Everything. See the future through the perspective of the gospel. It's like putting on glasses that only thing you can see is the gospel in everything, in everyone. The final thing, if we do these first two things, and it kind of ties into the first, but simply share your testimony. Share your testimony, a.k.a. share the story of growth that you have found in Jesus. Your testimony should still be in development. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make is they think their testimony was somewhere off into the distant past. Give me a break. Give me a break. Are we serious? If you talk about your testimony like it's in the past, you don't really grow in the gospel. In fact, you're stagnant. Our testimony is ongoing. We don't just repent once. Repent twice, three times. And repent, repent until you can't repent anymore, till the day that you die. Your testimony is ongoing. Live your life like you need Jesus each and every day. Now here's the question. Can we do all of this while we're under duress? I'm sitting here this morning. We're a small church. And I'm thinking about everything going on. I have a relationship with every one of you. Every one of you. Can I do this as we walk through this together? Can I do this under duress? All of us have adversity in our lives, but can we do this? Can we be gospel focused? Can we do this despite our current calamity, AKA adversity? See, we should be so encouraged today because the Apostle Paul could and the Apostle Paul did do everything that we see right here this morning. Which is why he ends by saying this in verses 25 and 26. And I'm just going to read this. Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And this brings us to our second 
and final point this morning. And that point is this. Sharing our faith in Jesus requires us to put the needs of others before our own desires. Sharing our faith in Jesus requires us to put the needs of others before our own desires. And let's not forget our first point this morning. We've been delivered from death in order to glorify Jesus in life. That's what this is all about. We're here to share our faith, looking for opportunities to do that. And our main point this morning is this. Adversity is an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus. It doesn't matter what we're going through. We can have the greatest day in the world, the worst day in the world, and everything in between. And both give us opportunities to bring glory to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com.